Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Transformation Radio. Calling all the messengers, calling all the messengers, calling all the messengers. Given a car, been forgiven, risen, we live in it, give them all. Rise up from your past, it's holding you down. This moment is all that matters, the future is now. How will the people know if we don't tell them? If we fail them, they're stumbling in the dark, but the light is what we carry in. Don't have to wonder your purpose or what you're here for. Reflect this image and show the world what he cares for. And I know it's all right, 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 you know, and you know, it's your lie, lie, lie. We know, and we know, the time's running now, can't wait around, cause. we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. Our narrative today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 26. Here's a brief commentary on what we'll be reading about today. 
We're going to be reading that this was Sunday of the week that Jesus would be crucified, and the great Passover festival was about to begin. Jews came to Jerusalem from all over the Roman world during this week-long celebration to remember the great exodus from Egypt. And today, people literally come from all over the world into Israel for this great celebration. Now, back then, many in the crowds had heard of or seen Jesus and were hoping he would come to the temple. Well, Jesus did come, not as a warring king on a horse or in a chariot, but as a gentle and peaceable king on a donkey's colt, just as it was predicted way back in Zechariah chapter 9. See, Jesus knew that those who would hear him teach at the temple would return to their homes throughout the world and announce the coming of the Messiah. The people exclaimed, Praise God, because of all the prophecies that were being fulfilled in front of their very eyes. All the prophecies that were spoken by the prophets so often uh, with such great detail, which could only be applied to Jesus. Now the crowd correctly saw Jesus as the fulfillment of these prophecies, but they did not understand where Jesus' kingship would lead him. This same crowd, by the way, cried out, Crucify him, when Jesus stood on trial only a few days later. Now, like those who witnessed Jesus' victory parade into Jerusalem, we have expectations for what we think God should do to make life better, safer, and more enjoyable for us. Like excited spectators, we can't wait to see suffering stopped, injustice corrected, and prosperity begun. Like the people on the road to Jerusalem that day, watching Jesus, we have much to learn about Jesus' death and resurrection. We must not let our personal desires catch us up in the celebration and shouting lest we miss the meaning of true discipleship. In our excitement and celebration, we have to remember that following Christ involves hardships. It may even include suffering and death. But hey, heaven awaits. This life here is only a preview, an incubator for eternity. All right, enough commentary for today. Let's begin reading now here in the New Testament. March 3rd, the New Testament, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 26. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in highest heaven! So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, 
So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves, because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him, but they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. You know, the fear of mountains or cities suddenly crumbling into the sea as a result of an earthquake or a nuclear blast haunts many people today. But the psalm writer says that even if the world were to end, we need not fear in the face of utter destruction. The psalm writer here expressed a quiet confidence in God's ability to save him. Now, it seems impossible to consider the end of the world without becoming consumed by fear. But the Bible is clear. God is our refuge, even in the midst of total destruction. He's not merely a temporary retreat. He is, in fact, our eternal refuge and can provide strength in any circumstance. Many great cities have rivers flowing through them. We'll read about one of those today. Sustaining people's lives, these rivers, by making agriculture possible and facilitating trade with other cities. Jerusalem had no river. But it had God, who, like a river, sustained the people's lives. As long as God lived among the people, the city was invincible. But when the people abandoned Him, God no longer protected them, and Jerusalem fell to the Babylonian army. Psalm 46, verses 1-11 through 11. For the choir director, a song of the descendants of Korah, to be sung by soprano voices, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Interlude A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. 
The God of Israel is our fortress. Interlude. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how He brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Interlude. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible.
today's In Touch Devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 1 of Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. One of the most difficult things Christians are to do is to wait in silence for God only, as we read in Psalm 62, verse 1. We tend to think of waiting as passively sitting back until something happens. However, in the midst of a stormy life event, we don't like inactivity. Our instinct is to run quickly and force things to change. But in today's psalm, the word wait has a different meaning. It connotes pause for further instructions. Instead of opting for passivity, we must choose to stop our actions and listen for God's directive. Sometimes the Lord is silent for a season, but He always has a purpose. He knows the perfect time for us to act, and until that moment, we need to wait. It takes more strength and character to be still in the midst of a storm than to frantically seek our own solution. Maybe you, at times, wait impatiently. When that happens, you can become nervous and question God or complain. But those reactions do not fit the character of a Christian. Paul tells us plainly to be anxious for nothing. He instructs us instead to pray to the Lord, who offers peace. We're to wait in silence without complaining, which means we must have patience. In order for that to happen, we must trust in God's wisdom, love, power, and timing. We can't go wrong when we rely on Him. The key to finding peace in the storm is waiting for God only. When we refuse to do so, we are more likely to make bad decisions. He hears our every prayer, but we must be willing to wait in silence and listen for His reply. to the stars and pondering how far away they are and how you hold them in your hands and still you know this man 
most bingo Even better than I know Than I know myself And what a beautiful God It's what a Today's word is strong on Minute with Maxwell. Mabel Mumford, a real estate associate from Indianapolis, Indiana, gave us that word. Strong 
It's a strong word, isn't it, huh? We're attracted to it. We're not attracted to the opposite, weak. We kind of run from that. But there's something about strong that is appealing, and let me tell you what it is. In our life, because of the unevenness of life and the uncertainty of life and the ups and downs of life, we're always wanting to find something that is strong, that stabilizes us, that gives us security, that, that helps us through the dark passages of life. It may be a strong individual who has great counsel and advice for it. It, 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 may, mean, it may mean an event that gives and feeds us and nourishes our soul and gives us strength. It, it, may, be, it may be a place where we go where we just receive strength. I have a couple places, physical places where I go, just to receive strength. Margaret and I, for years, uh, had a home up in the mountains. And I found that uh, taking a walk and going to a certain place and sitting down and looking at the, just the beauty of the mountains and the strength of the mountains just deposited strength into my own soul. You know, I'm a person of faith. And the Word of God says, be strong, be courageous. That's what we want in our life. But the Word of God, when it says be strong and be courageous, wouldn't say that if it was impossible for us. So the last thought I give you on the word strong or strength is very simple. You can have that. It's a choice. You need to intentionally make that choice today to become strong.
will go through hard times It's just part of life Don't let that moment blind you And don't let it define you Take heart That's not
that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.